Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new week here. The NFL going off still as we speak on Sunday Night Football. I'm going to get this audio down right now, but it's an important time in your week. It's a time where splash play goes off. Of course, a celebration of the biggest plays in all football, and more importantly, your place to talk about every single football game under the sun. I'm Chris Spaggs, joined by your pal in the party shirt. He's a man you know is at Peter Overzet on social media. He's Peter Overzet, as you could guess by that name. How you doing, Pete? I'm doing good. You know, I think we mentioned this on a previous show that why all of our other colleagues and contemporaries are winding down for the night. Maybe they're looking at snap counts in bed on their phone before falling asleep. Not Spags and I. No, we hop on the mics. We're ready to deliver the definitive week one snap take reactions right out of the gate. That's what we are here for. We are here for you guys, first and foremost. So thank you to all the people who subscribed over the last few days. It's been, uh, we we soft launched, I guess. we could, Pete, what's the best way for us to put this where it, does, it looks like no matter what we're doing, we're succeeding? I feel like soft launch is the one that I would go with. Beta? Beta yeah, mode? <laughs> we're in, the Splash Play is in beta mode. We got our fancy boy graphics up. We got the handles, of course, at Splash Play Pod on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, Facebook can go to hell, I guess, even though they own Instagram, so they still have us by the ball, by the balls there. It's going to say by the nards, by the balls. I don't know what's more PG, but either way, they have us by something. And uh, the important thing is you're here. So thank you for that. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, hit that YouTube uh, subscribe button down below and hit the notification bell as well. So you'll get a notification whenever we go off. And if you're listening on Apple podcasts, go over to the podcast page, give us five stars and a review and help us out because we need to get those reviews up. That's how more people will find this podcast. I think YouTube will sort of take care of itself i hope i pray uh but apple podcast is where it's at pete what's the fun game i'm putting you fully on the spot here what's a fun game we can have for people in their rating and review process on apple Podcasts? yeah what if we you know how you have to get approved to be on cameo right like you have to be get submitted and you have to be like a a d-list celebrity or they won't approve you what if we just short-circuited that and said, if you leave us a review, either Spags or I will record a, a 20 to 30 second cameo video for you, personalized that you can use for whatever social media purposes you'd like. Yes. Or, I mean, sexy purposes. Are we going full OnlyFans or like partial? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to just unzip here just to give people a little taste of the kind of amount of chest hair <laughs> I'm willing to show you in your, in ow, your ow. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. What's the sitcom noise they would put in for, for something sexy? It'd be like, ooh, ow. Yeah. Or I would just wait to like home improvement and imagine like Tim Taylor being, room, 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 room. <laughs> <laughs> He's, you know, Tim Taylor went to jail for like Coke deals or whatever. <laughs> That sounds about right. <laughs> yes, yeah, so last week, so, uh, Sylvester Stallone got the the wrath of my factual ire last week, or I guess that one was maybe more rumor and innuendo. This one's factual though. He went to jail for, and actually, actually, he snitched out, a, I think, a drug like a drug dealer, and then he went to jail as like you know, like a you know, a little bit of a deal that he got there. Wow. Yeah, That's I mean, it changes the whole context of Home Improvement from where I remember it as a child. There you go. Yeah. So, hey, that's that's your fun fact for the week. And also, uh, one other fun fact. If you follow at Splash Play Pod on Twitter or Instagram, I'm following you back. I We don't have a social media manager. There's nobody giving us strategy right now. It's just me and Pete's gut instincts for what will make a good social media handle. And we want to build a community up. We will be replying in the YouTube comments. We'll be here for you guys. Obviously, whenever you want to talk to us, at Chris Spags or at Peter Overset. But if you follow the at Splash Play pod handles, uh, we will follow you back. And you can, I don't know, frame that. What like I feel like that matters a lot to people out there, Pete. Am I wrong here? I feel like that's the thing people really feel like, oh, like I'm so special. President Obama followed me when he was running for president. Yeah, I think that, I mean, look at this, guys. I mean, the what we're saying is not only can you boost your follower count numbers, but you will get an individual shout out from us if you leave an iTunes review. I mean, the amount of things that this is going to do to benefit your life, I mean, when they, the amount of clout you can gain by a splash play follow slash shout out, I mean, it's immeasurable. And speaking of clout, this is a big moment for us as a podcast. We, we've talked about the influence that we hope to exert upon the, the populace out there for fantasy football and, of course, the sports bettors. That's a big wave here, the legalization of sports betting. Um, and it's really tremendous for me. I'm so proud of the person who won this week's Millionaire Maker on DraftKings, Chumley54. 
uh, a person who I can only assume, Pete, is a Splash Play follower based upon the genius plays they made in this week's Million Maker. So congratulations, Chumley. Chumley, fantastic job by you. Million dollars for that person. Yeah, I don't know about you, Specs, but when I saw this lineup, my immediate reaction was... <sighs> They must be a splash play listener. I mean, every single pick in this lineup had splash play written in and all over it. I would it's it's just humbling to know that we have attracted such sharp listeners who then can apply the things we say into their DFS practice. I, I'm I'm truly humbled. No, it's honestly it's great. When you've when you made an impact in people's lives and a million dollars certainly can't make more of an impact. So congratulations, Chumley, one of our our longest and nearest and dearest followers here on the Splash Play podcast. Uh, of course, uh, you know, that's what matters. And uh, one play, I'll, I'll read Chumley's lineup for you guys to sum up week one. It gives you a little bit of a snapshot. I think most of the Millionaire Maker lineups for the most part. And of course, FanDuel as well and, and whatever site. Underdog Fantasy, of course, that Pete's practically the CEO of, from what I understand. Uh, <laughs> all these sites out there, uh, you know, wherever these lineups are that are winning the big money in that given week, it tells you the tale of what happened in that week. And at quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, I feel like this was one, boy, Pete, we have a segment coming up a little bit later here, um, which, you know, is one that I feel like represents things a little more fairly called What You Claim We Got Wrong. And we'll talk about this a little bit more there. But this is one of the big week one stories. And Aaron Rodgers is the millionaire maker winning uh, quarterback on DraftKings. 33.76 fantasy points. Of course, he did have four touchdowns passing today, along with 364 passing yards, uh, two rushing yards. So not a big rushing day for him. But as part of a Green Bay, Minnesota game that had 77 points in the over-under, and Pete, you know what we picked for that one? Uh, I believe we took the under. In fact, one of few things where we both took the under. <laughs> so- no, no, no. But Spags, this is for a different segment. We're talking about the things that this person clearly stole True. from our show. You know, that's right. They That was one thing they picked up from there where they could sense, you know, we do some snark here. We do a little parody. We do a little bit of witticism is what we try to call it here on Splash Play. And I would say this person picked up that we were saying, oh, yeah, take the under LOL, he went over here, so he stacked up the Packers. He's got Aaron Rodgers, he's got Devontae Adams, he got Adam Thielen in there. He also stacked uh, Alan Lazard, the shame Lazard out there. Um, Great to see him in the mix as well. And here's where it gets important, Pete. Here's where you can tell he's a true splash play guy. Raheem Mostert at 8.4%. He didn't care about the air quality in San Francisco. He said, hey, Tevin Coleman, I don't care. (laughs) about whatever is wrong with you. I I shouldn't even joke about that. I guess. But Tev Coleman still played, so I think it's fine. He said, "I, you know what? Give me all the ash. Give me all of the climate change. I want to breathe it in. It makes me stronger. That's where he, where he most said, as I predicted uh, last week in our ride or die picks, he's one of his running backs. Josh Jacobs, another running back. Greg Olson at tight end at 3%. Pete, did you have any Greg Olson at all in his new home in Seattle? No, you know what I didn't. Also, a uh, Blue Wire podcast host. Uh, you can't you can't forget that. Anytime you listen to a podcast, you are reminded that he has a podcast on that network. Now, I I think you're being a little humble about this because it wasn't like you just said you know Raheem Mostert was going to be a good pick or he was going to you know pay off his value. You called your shot, Millie Maker running back. And my guess was that pick was kind of predicated on Coleman not even playing. Perhaps then he plays and he still gets there. I mean, that's a nice call. Ah, that's one of the proudest ones for me. One that bailed me out in quite a bit of my lineups. But, of course, to round out Chumley, one of our nearest and dearest listeners slash viewers, uh, Calvin Ridley and the Washington football team who... Pete, quite frankly, I'm struggling with the nickname for the football team. I, I want to call them something else. I want to call them the footies. I want to call them the FTs. The both of those feel kind of racist. Like, <laughs> like what's what's the nickname we can go with? Because we said football team, but I, I still not working for me. See, I, we might be on other sides of this because I like it and I'm ready to expand it to everything. Like instead of saying Terry McLaurin, I'm just going to say the Washington wide receiver one. Instead of Dwayne Haskins, it's the Washington quarterback. It's not Ron Rivera. It's the Washington coach. We just talk in vague generalities about this team as if they are like a, a video game that didn't pay off the licensing rights to get the names. That is much like the uh, Tecmo Bowl versions after they lost the NFL license that we've yeah. we've also lifted generously from. Uh, they lifted generously from the NFL and um, or the replacements. Another movie near and dear to my heart, of course, Keanu Reeves. Uh, Keanu Reeves, I would say, probably not a great fantasy football quarterback based on the replacements. 
Hang on. I do want to say something though. You were, you're getting all the pub for the Roheem Mostert. I, I mean, I did famously say Calvin Ridley was going to outscore Julio Jones. Chumley clearly had that, you know, kicking around in their head, went ahead and put Calvin Ridley in the flex and, and look at what happened. No, you know what? It's a team effort here, always on Splash Play with both the viewers and the listeners. And of course, me and Pete, we are a team. We are a tag team, the most dynamic tag team, I would say, since uh, the natural disasters. I feel like those are both heavy set guys. I feel like Pete, you're, you're more of a you're more of a body guy if I had to choose. Do you know what we do, Spags? You and I need to um, start putting in a Splash Play Millie Maker lineup each week, one that you and I work on you know you get a little moster in there i get a little calvin ridley we joke around put the washington football team defense in there i i think this is a segment because clearly our listeners are benefiting from our advice i mean why shouldn't we get a piece of this million as well that's true and you know and again if chumley is out there and wants to give us a, a little bit of a 10k taste i feel like that's that's just a fair cut for the house for helping you out and give you the advice but congratulations to chumley of course congratulations to everybody who won some money this week i I'm grateful for a break even in week one, I feel like generally. And and that's no different for me this week, Pete. I don't know how you did. Did you win any million dollars on your end? I didn't ask. I, that's rude of my yeah. end. So that's 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 on me. Yeah, no, I didn't. I was in a couple. Um, I didn't do like much MME just because I was so busy this morning. So I just did some um, like medium stakes, single entry lineups. And, and I whipped. I had like the right players in different lineups just not the right combinations i had some calvin ridley i had some josh jacobs but just none of it all together that's that's life in dfs but that's why we're here for you and we'll give you the best takes here and of course the week one big stories that's where we got to dive in first and some of the big things here that some of which will tie into things we talked about in our last podcast some of which will not but make sure first hit that subscribe button hit the notification bell if you're watching on youtube and again that five stars and a review on apple Podcasts helps us a bunch and if you want to get that free cameo video we'll dm it right to you if you leave us your contact info on twitter and of course a review there a nice review five stars and review if you give us a one one star, we will probably send you a DM that will not be nice, I think would be the way. It might, might include a, a picture of somebody's genitalia, not mine or Pete's because we're too classy, but just, you know, general internet genitalia seems fair. But week one big stories here. This is the one to me that I thought was the biggest. And again, we'll talk about a little more and what you can claim we got wrong coming up in a bit here as we tease our segments out. But Devontae Adams going off 14 catches, 17 targets, 156 yards and two, t- and two TDs. Aaron Rodgers, 364, 14 the Packers exploded here and I honestly don't know what to take of it other than they've clearly somebody's politicked for more passes for Aaron Rodgers he was slinging it around out there the running game mostly a non-factor against the Vikings teams who also couldn't defend a run quite as well as they could the past nothing was working for them defensively uh Pete what do you make of this one because I think we both were taken aback here and also a lot of sharp betters uh out there were really on the Packers and the Vikings being an under game and this one put up actually Pete here's the fun game so the over under in that one I believe was 45 actually let me pull it up real fast 45.5 do you know what the total was for it actually uh what was it probably it was over 60 right it was 77 <laughs> Seven, seven, yeah. Okay. So we were like this much off. Like I think if you were gonna by like two <laughs> two factors, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, two standard deviations away if we're using <laughs> full yeah, statistical did your, data. Did your Monte Carlo sim capture this as one of the possible outcomes? Well, that's the thing is you're always two standard deviations away. That's every ninety nine uh, of percent of all these things that occur are within two standard deviations. So that can that can happen for sure. Um, I think the big takeaway for me was that the Vikings defense is very bad and the Green Bay defense probably. A a little bit less bad than last year. Um, you know, these aren't the bravest takes in the world, but Devontae Adams, I think we knew was going to be the linchpin of that offense. And I don't think this changes a lot for me other than thinking that I probably should have gotten Devontae Adams more. I know legally we cannot talk about our best ball lineups anymore, but if you got Devontae Adams, you probably are feeling good about that. But besides that, Pete, what were your takeaways, if anything? Yeah, I think what's interesting to me is Devontae Adams was extremely high owned. Like in some of the higher stakes single entries, he was in one of mine, he was 37% owned, which I'm just generally not playing a wide receiver like that, but he was severely underpriced. I think the weird thing, like you said, is the public thought this was going to be an under game. People come into this season with a negative connotation about Aaron Rodgers. Like they're just not excited about this team in offense. And yet, DFS players have been very excited about Devontae Adams at that price tag. And so I think to me, the moral of the story is like if Devontae Adams can hit this mega ceiling like he did today, it necessarily means Aaron Rodgers 
is going to have a great day too. And then of course it was the cherry on top getting Lazard and MVS involved. So I think that's a, an interesting thing. And like looking forward, it really does seem like Devonte Adams could be this year's Michael Thomas, where he just smashes week in and week out and has a floor and ceiling that's comparable to some of those bell cow running backs. And Michael Thomas, I, I think we're on the same page here. He's this year, Antonio Brown, I think would be the, yeah, he'll be out of the league in uh, in one week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, I don't know what to make of Michael Thomas, but I agree, Devontae Adams, I just think there's so little left. And the fact that Val- uh, Valdez Scantling and uh, Lazard would both be able to get off in that situation. Also, I really want to point out very quickly, the Robert Tanyan love, I think, was something that was sweeping the nation very briefly from what I saw uh, doing a stream for Osmo over the weekend, as well as just looking on Twitter, trying to keep our, our ears to the Twitter streets and uh, I feel like that's one of those things that that newer players or just even players who just don't pay the most attention, they're like, who's going to play tight end for these guys? Oh, Robert Tanyan. He clearly matters so much. And like, Pete, in what world would you throw to Robert Tanyan where you have Devontae Adams out there just getting separation literally every single time that he's running around? Well, well, not my world because back in the uh, Halcyon days of uh, April, I was drafting Jay Sternberger late as the <laughs> presumptive tight end there in Green Bay. So I still don't want to talk about the Tanyan thing. It's a little too soon. Now, yeah, Jace, of course, uh, was a popular, I feel like, play for a lot of people out there. Did did look okay down the stretch last year, so maybe there's some hope for him. I think he started uh, training camp a little bit banged up or, or, or sick or whatever it was, but still a situation for him that um, he'll get some run there, and Robert Tanyan probably going to continue to be a blocker, as he's always been. Another big story this week. Josh Jacobs, uh, 29 touches led the league this year, at least as far as the data I could pull in there. Some of my data sources did not update properly. Actually, this might be a question for you, Pete, because I know you're a big data guy too. Obviously, I'm the king of the Monte Carlos sim, our old pal Monte Carlos, helping me out every single time with trying to figure out when guys are going to get to where they're supposed to get in terms of their fantasy total and prop bets. But data, not a little slow this week on every site from what I could tell. You know what? Uh, I can't confirm nor deny that uh i haven't gone into my data scraping mode yet i think i rely on people like you and uh all the other guys you know pro football focus all the other analytic nerds um yeah it's uh you know everyone's got to dust off the old systems you know it's uh you gotta spring cleaning you gotta get everything booted up and running again maybe do an oil change get all that stuff buzzing again that's true. Even DraftKings, which is now a gigantic publicly traded company making so much money on the stock market and, of course, from any of us on a given day, besides me and Pete, of course, who um, we they basically call us Mr. No Overlays, where uh, they just actually, I guess that would be the opposite. <laughs> that's, where, that's where we just continue to donate more uh, so they never have to worry about overlay. Uh, but, you know, DraftKings doing really well, but they had some issues too getting going today with the lineups updating. And then, of course, on Twitter, the amount of people who tweet the DK Assist account and, and say, I'll never play here again Pete uh, they're never playing again it's gonna be tough for the industry <laughs> yeah you know what I think DK uh, assist uh, that you know they just sit back they kind of chuckle at that and then they set their stopwatch and they're like oh yeah nope they're back to playing the showdown slate there about three hours later <laughs> yeah it was it was a tough run there for their business but thankfully all those people will come back but Josh Jacobs really dominated the ball 29 touches for him getting some pass game work as well getting four touch or four catches and in addition to a lot on the ground as we would have expected but the pass game work definitely reassuring and three touchdowns and this one Pete I actually had friends of mine who are, are a little more on the casual side who are like, hey, uh, thanks for the Josh Jacobs tip. And and that's one thing, too, which I feel like we need to talk about more when we do our ride or die picks for Monday. Of course, our staple, uh, which had middling success <laughs> in week one. But uh, that's what we'll, we're in we'll, beta. Yeah. Pete, you don't even know the results yet. I tallied them up. And uh, let's just say we didn't do as well as we would have liked. But um, we did OK. I we feel won, like well, we yeah. won one of our listeners a million dollars. How did we not do good? That's that's the way it goes sometimes. People take what they want, and perhaps we didn't put a, a greater result on paper. It's like a scouting report thing where, yeah, like yeah, Julian Elman probably didn't have a great scouting report coming out, but you see him play, and all of a sudden things are working out. So that's how we are normally in our process. But anyway, with Josh Jacobs and the, these numbers that he put up, to me, he looks like a guy who could actually be an RB1 type. Uh, you know, I, I'm not ready to victory lap it yet because it is the Raiders, but uh, we also deeply question. This is one thing we'll talk about in the what you claim we got wrong part of the world, perhaps. But um, I, I was kind of baffled. We both were baffled about the three-point spread favoring the Raiders on the road. The Las Vegas Raiders, of course, now that they've moved. And uh, they 
put it on the Carolina Panthers on a higher scoring game than Vegas predicted. So or projected and predicted. So that's something that we have going for us, I guess. Uh, but Josh Jacobs, though, being a monster, is this what you see from him moving forward to me? I think I, I would have thought he has a, a definitely a very easy path to being an RB one this year, being one of the top 10, top 12 guys uh, very much clearly. But now I think top three is not out of out of range at all. Yeah. So there's two kind of conflicting data points I'm like wrestling with my, in my head, you know, the, the really positive indicator more so than even the touchdown, because they did have a positive game script and we know the Raiders are going to run the ball when they're up, but it was the fact that, you know, Devonte Booker had eight snaps, Jalen Richard at seven. And, and like you said, 29 touches and then Josh Jacobs playing on 49 snaps. So that bodes really well for his workload and alleviates those concerns you mentioned about maybe being in a committee that said, everyone heading into the season was like the Carolina game is the cupcake at the start. And then they play the saints. They're on the road in new England. Then they play the bills in the chiefs and then the Bucks. So you're looking at some stiffer defenses, potentially negative game scripts here. So, you know, they were, I was wrong on it. I thought the Panthers were going to win. You know, I died with that take that said the Vegas markets predicted them to win this game. And so I will be curious to see how Josh Jacobs role changes in negative game scripts against tougher teams. Yeah, no, I agree there. And I think that's a a fair one to look at. I think the pass game work is really the most reassuring thing. I'm curious to see the amount of routes that he run. I did watch the game, but certainly wasn't telling it with my blind eye there. But um, I think that's one to keep an eye on because uh, if he's running a good amount of routes, that's certainly an uptick on what he was getting last year with uh, Jalen Rashard taking a lot off the table and he's a great runner. And, uh, you know, it is one thing though that we did talk about and pointed out pretty clearly that Carolina's run defense was very bad last year, had no reason to expect them to get any better. And uh, that certainly bore the the fruit that you'd expect for Josh Jacobs this week, a monster play. And and hopefully you, you followed us on that along with a lot of the people playing in Daily Fantasy this week. Another one, this one took me a little more for a surprise. DeAndre Hopkins getting 14 catches on 16 targets, 152 yards, uh, touchdown for him as well. A 44% target share, which would make him the highest uh, going into this Cowboys game that's still going on as we talk. It's at halftime right now. I, I was blown away by DeAndre Hopkins in this game. I thought he was going to lose some targets. I know Christian Kirk was a guy that you were bullish on, Pete. I, I The run game, I thought, would get a little more work here than it did. I guess it's a good sign for, for Kyler Murray backers this year. But Hopkins being this dude, he got paid, and now he's showing it fully. I am terrified at how much I faded him and, and probably will continue to fade him. But, Pete, where do you land with DeAndre Hopkins? Yeah, so this one is weird because I um, I was definitely of the camp that both DeAndre Hopkins and Christian Kirk could have great seasons. I think the public was more fading DeAndre Hopkins, thinking it would be spread more around. And so I feel like we were all wrong and that it wasn't spread around and DeAndre Hopkins just picked up right where he left off in Houston. You know, just like you said, that massive target share. And, you know, Kyler and Deshaun Watson, similar caliber quarterbacks. And even if he does lose a little bit of work, say they do spread it around more. I mean, he's starting at such an insane target share and they're running so many pass plays that he's just set up for a monster season. I mean, I think if you redraft now, I mean, he has to be going right there with Devontae Adams and Michael Thomas. And hey, based on the Michael Thomas game, if, if someone's a little spooked and wants to take DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, I think it's very well warranted and why people were concerned was just kind of that uncertainty of the situation. But now that we've seen the data point, like I think we just have to vault Hopkins up to top two, top three wide receiver going forward. This wasn't something that was on our, our little plan here. And of course, you know, it may not look like it despite our fancy graphics and our, our general our general air on the show. We do put a plan forward every single week. And um, I, I didn't want to necessarily, I didn't know what the lead in here for the Saints, but what do you make of this Michael Thomas thing? Because I, I mean, I'm surprised that he didn't get any targets really didn't get any work in a meaningful way compared to what he got last year. And I guess, you know, you could expect them to want to spread it around a bit more because they were so reliant on him through the air last year, but uh, not a great first showing for Michael Thomas. And I'm pulling up the numbers now, but, but Pete, what are your thoughts there? And I guess, I, you know, you got to trust the longer sample size and him being a, a go-to guy, but how did you feel about that? If you, if you invested deeply in him, like how do you feel about Michael Thomas right now? Yeah, I think it's weird because we have seen in the past that there will be the like the Kamara game. There will be the Jared Cook game. That said, Michael Thomas just had an insane floor. Like he just had that, you know, six to seven catches for 60 yards, just guaranteed bank it. There's no questions asked. So today to see him have a three for 17, I, uh, you know, I haven't grinded the all 22 tape, you know, once we finish up here 
I'll be, uh, you know, popping some caffeine and, and staying up to watch that. But uh, until then, I, I think you got to chalk it up to a fluke. I think the other weird thing about it is his home splits have been even more impressive than on the road. So you just think at home versus the Bucks that he would absolutely smash. So I'm on, uh, I'm not panicking, but my eyebrow is raised and I'm going to be very curious to see what his next couple of weeks look like. Yeah, I agree. He was the guy ranked third in targets on the team, actually tied with Emmanuel Sanders for the third most targets behind Jared Cook, behind Alvin Kamara. I mean, Kamara, they have used a lot in the past game against the Bucks, including last year where he bailed himself out from a pretty poor rushing day, which was the same case today for him. He only had 16 rushing yards on 12 carries for Alvin Kamara. Actually had less carries than Latavius Murray, who had 15. Uh, but still, I-, I think it's something to watch out for because Manuel Sanders maybe takes a little more away. Jared Cook, them having another year to trust him in that offense as well as having just really paid Alvin Kamara in a big way. It might not be 10 to 15 targets a game for Michael Thomas, and that would certainly hurt his value as being the Christian McCaffrey, especially when it comes to DFS, where if he's going to be priced like like a Christian McCaffrey, that's that's not one to trust. Speaking of McCaffrey, a former teammate of his, Cam Newton, uh, who was one of Pete's picks that we'll talk about when we go through, of course, our ride or die picks for week one, our first round of ride or die picks. Uh, monster day for him at quarterback, basically playing running back. He did not throw the ball well at all, but he ran the ball more times than any other quarterback in the league. And it seems possible that that just might be the game plan for the Patriots this year, which weirdly has been the rumor with the Patriots for years is that Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels want a running quarterback. McDaniels, of course, has some experience from Denver with Tim Tebow. But what'd you make of your boy Cam Newton, who is one of your ride or die picks who did back you up fully and and looked good, of course, for Pete's hometown, Massachusetts. <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, I ride or die, I bleed, you know, blue and red and silver and whatever colors the uh, Patriots are. But in a lot of ways, I I think I said that they were kind of a black box mystery team. But now in hindsight, like this makes sense, right? That their weapons aren't that great. But Cam, if healthy, which he proved to be today, can still run all over the field. Those read options, the designed runs, the, you know, all of that stuff was in play. And the offense just completely ran through him. Uh, in a way that was really impressive. And, and now we're just back to the same old caveat. Can he stay healthy? And I, I was encouraged by Nikhil Harry's performance. You know, he had the one kind of fumble drop, you know, that turned into the touchback, which is, you know, kind of a bullshit rule. But uh, I think if he can make that step just a little bit and Edelman, you know, continue to cruise, he seemed to have a good rapport with Cam. I think they could uh, really expand on this to the point where Cam doesn't have to run this much. So that's what I'm going to be looking forward to. Although if you wanted to play Cam in DFS, this was probably the week because he's going to get a lot more expensive and a lot more popular. Yeah, I mean, if whenever there's is one of the things that a lot of the casual players out there don't account for when, when building their teams, but a, a quarterback who runs and just gives you a bit of a bit of a floor every single week by just taking those rushing attempts, uh, whether he's getting a ton of success or not. And Cam did have success. He had five five yards per rush here. We'll see as some of the the more advanced analytics come out. But 15 carries, 75 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, he had five more carries than Sony Michelle. This clearly is a team that's going to give him the ball and allow him to run and and add his own value to his next contract, whether it be for the Patriots or elsewhere. Uh, so Cam Newton at quarterback, he honestly might be more Lamar than Lamar Jackson is because Lamar Jackson actually passed this week and really nobody got value from the passing game from Cam Newton with Julian Edelman, uh, Nikhil Harry, who these guys can have better days, but it definitely is a lot of encouragement for Cam and, and naked Cam, of course. That's one of my favorite phrases in, <laughs> in fantasy and DFS. Yeah. Like naked, of course, meaning a quarterback you play without a stack, but, but Pete, it's very essential here when you get your naked Cam in your lineup. That's right. Oh, yeah. One of my lineups, uh, my buddy, Mike Leone, he uh, he put me on to uh, to rolling out. Although, no, I lied. We were going to do naked cam. We ended up playing him with Nikhil Harry, but obviously it was incredibly viable to play him naked. There's only a few quarterbacks now where I think that actually makes sense. It used to be even Josh Allen, but now his weapons are so good that they're passing so much that I almost feel like you got to throw in Diggs or, or John Brown with uh, with Allen. I think it's one of those things where I, I know with Osmo, that was one thing that, that Alex, Alex Baker, who's better known as Osmo to a lot of people out there, the top DFS player in the world, um, he always advocates for playing with 
a quarterback and two two of his receivers. So like two wide receivers or a, a wide receiver and a tight end. Because generally, if the quarterback's excelling, then you have those two guys excelling in a meaningful way. But with these running quarterbacks, I feel like if you have one guy stacked with them, that might be the move with Lamar. I mean, he didn't make enough for Marquise Brown and for Mark Andrews to get there. But those guys, I don't know if you could trust week to week. And I think that's you know something that might be the case for Cam, where you might not want to play both Edelman and Nikhil Harry, but to get one of those guys and hopefully they'll have better weeks than this week where Cam clearly took everything away. And here's the important part of the week. Of course, we talked about the big stories, but you know we have to give our pats on the back because we're going to take some lumps in the next couple segments coming up. But the victory laps, Pete, I think it's important in an industry that rewards self-congratulation. Pete, what are your proudest victory laps for week one based upon the things you talked about on here or in your many other streams, your other uh, 400 or so podcasts? Yeah, you know what? So Chris puts together this show sheet and, uh, you know, he has a little note in here. And before I get there, everyone knows that I've been hyping up LaVisca Chanel just week in and week out, you know, the haters say that the rookies can't produce early on. The haters say, well, LaVisca was always hurt in college. He's just going to get hurt again. They say it's week one. The Colts are going to slow things down. And LaVisca Chenault scores a touchdown. It's dance parties all around. And you know what Spags writes in the show sheet? Still does not Forex value in accordance with Pete's ride or die pick. I mean, if I ever thought about quitting the show, it was when I read that sentence. We had 14 14- Point four DraftKings points, so he's off by one point six for the four X. Get out of here! <laughs> no, you're, you're right. I, I'm reading it back now. Like, to be clear, that was just the one that came to mind for me. Like I thought you would have other ones. To... <laughs> he's sitting here like, oh yeah, I got Raheem Mostert in the Millie Baker. Uh, but uh, by the letter of the law, still does not forex value in accordance with the ride or die fit. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> I didn't get a little legal. We talked about our lawyers and legal things last time out. I got a little legal on you there, I guess. I did. I, you know, I wow. dated a lawyer once and it was a it's terrible like, experience. Even, it's like, have your victory lap with an asterisk. <laughs> All right. What What did you get? You had your Josh Jacobs and then you had a, you had another nice one with Josh Allen. Yeah. Josh Allen has been one of my, one of my guys. I mean, Pete, if you have other victories, you could take them. I, I just, I just didn't put Oh, them there's the another dig. I mean, if there were any other victories there, maybe you could take them, but. Since there's not, I guess we do have to call out the elephant in the room and that he didn't 4X. Uh, the thing is that Pete actually, well, I don't want to spoil it, but Pete had a great showing in our ride or die picks that we'll talk about the, the pick record coming up here. Uh, but I, perhaps I just didn't recall any tremendous victories that you had. Besides, you know, LaVisca getting a touchdown. That's pretty great. Do we have the mini helmet anywhere nearby to, to help smooth I, things? Are you kidding? Are you kidding? <laughs> of course. And and also, I had the, the highlight reel from college, but I've already been downloading footage so I can actually update the highlight reel with uh, with current current tape. Is that helmet sized according to his value at a DFS layer? Hey, hey I'm gonna I'm gonna quit this show. Lavisca <laughs> Chanel, great showing there. Took took enough away from DJ Chark to make him a less viable play. One of my guys, one of the guys that I I personally declared. So I'll take that. But um, I want to talk to Josh Allen because we talked about him a little bit up top. And um, I guess the real question, and this is the sort of the thing that I feel like the um, the casual fans of football will, will talk about a lot and be like, Josh Allen can't win in the playoffs. Uh, for fantasy, I really don't give a shit if he wins in the playoffs. He's going to throw 45 times in a game. He might be the MVP of the league. He might be the best fantasy player, I think, easily, whether he wins an MVP or not. But I think Josh Allen, to me, QB QB three, maybe, out of the guys. He shouldn't be ahead of Mahomes fantasy-wise, maybe. But besides that... Pete, where do you see Josh Allen going? Because we talked about it. The weapons were there with Stefan Diggs with, um, I'm still laughing about LaVisca. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Stefan Diggs with John Brown. Cole Beasley's there, even though he was not a factor at all today. It was very much the the Diggs and, uh, and John Brown show. But where's the ceiling for Josh Allen for you, Pete? Yeah, I, I think it's really high in this game. They controlled the game the whole time, too. I mean, Jamison Crowder had that one nice uh, yards after catch touchdown. But for the most part, the Bills were able to do exactly what they wanted. Uh, Josh Allen, their leading rusher with 14 carries. Uh, Singletary and Zach Moss couldn't get it done a ton. But again, going into the season, people did you know forecast the Jets of having a pretty good defensive line that can stymie running games. And so to me, it's like, wheels up like once they get into these games with say the Patriots or Miami where they're more up tempo 
uh, I think we could see some really big scoring outputs. And and Stefan Diggs, none of uh, you know, he was eight for eighty-six. John Brown gets in the end zone six for seventy. So this is an offense that has a ton of weapons. I also thought it was cool that they used Zach Moss. He got a receiving touchdown, mm-hmm. their rookie running back. So he seems like he's gonna be in a 50-50 split with Singletary. And I think we talked about this on a previous show of like, you know, we're gonna see so many gross committees in the league. Like right now we're watching the Rams play and, you know, Malcolm Brown's getting touchdowns, Darrell Henderson's getting worked in. And that's really awful for Zach or uh, Cam Akers fantasy value. So to see Devin Singletary and Zach Moss split at 50, 50, I think that makes both of them intriguing plays almost every week. Yeah, both intriguing and not ones to bank on probably in season long a lot. If you are, if these are guys that you invested heavily in, I would be a little bit concerned. But I think for DFS, I yeah, I'm with you on that. I think that these guys can definitely spike some upside. That's one of my phrases that I, I lean on a little too much. But I think, that, you know, both getting equal amounts of pass game work for the most part. Still need to see the routes run, but uh, five catches for Singletary on uh, seven targets compared to three on four for Zach Moss. So, both involved, even though Moss was thought to be the bruiser, kind of coming in to relieve Singletary and maybe goal line work. Uh, he's definitely involved in the pass game, and both guys are involved pretty heavily with nine carries each in week one. So we'll see how that goes. The Jets, by the way, uh, not great, Pete. Not, not the best yeah. team in the AFC East. If uh, I, You know, I would like to see a line on of if a player doesn't make it through the season on their current team, who do you think is more likely to not be there at the end. Le'Veon Bell with the Jets or Leonard Fournette with the Bucks? I think Fournette might be undervalued enough that he stays with his team, whereas Bell, they're paying him so much and they clearly don't want to use him and then he leaves with an injury. Like, I, I don't see how Bell makes the year. Even if Gase is gone, I don't see how he stays. I just think that kind of archetype of, like, formerly, you know, great running back who now has, you know, probably washed up and doesn't have much in the tank, but still has this ego that thinks that they deserve to receive the amount of carries and monies that's, you know, you know, on par with Christian McCaffrey. Them That is just like a, a very uh, combustible cocktail of uh, ingredients. It's like the Carmelo Anthony of running backs for those people exactly. who care about both sports. Yeah, you got to be able to give a little bit of ego up when you get over the hill. And it does seem uh, like Le'Veon Bell may be over the hill. When uh, Frank Gore, though, never over the hill. That guy, the hill continues to be a, a plateau for him. He's just a flat ground for him every single time. Uh, yeah, and, you know, I guess just real quick, we could touch on this since I mentioned Fournette. I mean, Ronald Jones... Uh, dominated the backfield and touches 17 carries for 66 yards had a couple runs where he looked really nice um leonard fournette five carries for five yards and he did have one nice catch uh for 14 yards so the real question is you know it do they continue to give ronald jones the the lead thing or are they going to be curious uh what leonard fournette has but i would say this was not a good showing for fournette to try to fight for more touches yeah, it's one of those things where it could be a Kareem Hunt situation where he takes enough off the table where maybe you don't get enough out of Jones. But, uh, you know, we'll see if, if Fournette does underperform. Uh, certainly a spot where Jones can have value against much weaker defenses than the Saints brought today. Uh, here's the segment. That's a tough one here. But, you know, we got to take our lumps when we get things wrong. Uh, despite, you know, however many millions of dollars we win, we should keep a running tally of all the millions of dollars we win. All of our viewers and listeners, of course. But what you claim we got wrong is a spot where we can fully accept accountability and uh, what we talked about before, Pete, we both picked the Packers and the Vikings under 45.5 in our ride or die picks. And of course, those are picks where we either ride or we die. And, and we had a, a terrible, a dual Mario and Luigi style death, Pete. So how do we make amends here for the people that claim that we got this wrong? Yeah. So, you know, for all the haters out there that claim that LaVisca Chanel didn't 4X. Uh, oh, is that not what you meant by this? You meant, you meant no, different ones? segment, okay. different segment. Okay. Yeah. yeah different segment. Um, yeah. So a lot of people are going to say, Peter, you, you said Christian Kirk is going to, is going to ball out and he uh, did nothing. Well, I think, I think you are claiming that in, and you didn't actually watch the game. He did get behind the defense for a long pass that would have been a touchdown. He got interfered with. So I think that you really have to trust my process and you might claim I got it wrong, but really if that just doesn't happen, I'm incredibly right. So that's kind of how I'm spinning it. 
I think that all checks out for me. And I would say for the Packers Vikings game, I mean, sure, it was 45.5 and ended up with 77 <laughs> combined points. But that happens. That's the variance in football. You see, you play a game like basketball DFS or fantasy basketball every night. Those guys are going to get close to their score because that's how basketball works. Baseball, same thing. You know, these guys have a 300 average. Yeah, they're going to hit the ball 30% of the time. And football, it's all over the place. There's such a limited sample size. That's what data's all about. So if you get the over-under on the Packers wrong by 32 points, that's just the nature of the business. And that's what data's all about. The data pointed you to the under. Follow the data. So I think that's what I can say to you if you claim that we got that one wrong. Um, another one that I could say that I got wrong, or you could say that I got wrong, but I'll say I got it right. The Chargers, I would say, outright stunk in Cincinnati. Uh, Josh Kelly looked okay. Hey, Tyrod Taylor, one of the worst plays of the week, I would say, uh, based upon his projections, based upon his value in a lot of the sites out there, uh, did not come up to snuff in his game at Cincinnati. But here's where you might be wrong if you're claiming I'm wrong. A lot of skyline chili in Cincinnati. I mean, that's something, that's an unholy pairing of items, I would say. Spaghetti with chili seems, I'm mostly Italian, Pete. I don't know if you know this by my last name, which is clearly Italian, but that's something that is important to me. And I would say that's a reason why this game is not part of the sample size. I would throw it out, Pete. Speaking of that, I, I think what's embarrassing for me is I would kind of be nervous to actually try to pronounce your full non shortened last name because it's just so easy to say spags which i assume is why spags is a thing i'm going to attempt it right now and you can tell me how bad i am i'm looking at it in the zoom window so i have the spelling up but your full italian name is chris spagnuolo so you drop the U. Spagnolo is what we go with, but yeah, like that's close enough. I mean, you didn't you didn't add extra letters in, so yes, I think that's. I'll give it a pass. I think that might be one of your ride picks for the week. Okay, all right. <laughs> you four X that would be. So it's actually easy. It's the U is a red herring. Yeah, the U is a red herring, and that's actually uh, Steve Spagnolo, the the Chiefs coach, is also uh, same spelling. And people used to ask me a lot when he was the Giants head coach. People would always ask me in New York, like, "Are you related?" And it's like, no, like it's just I. I know it's like not a normal name. It means Spanish and Italian though, so it's still like technically kind of normal. There we go. I think I'll probably stick with Spag, but it's nice to know I can uh, drop a Spagnolo every now and again. <laughs> yeah, whenever you need to really get serious with me, Pete. Whenever I don't fully accredit you for your LaVisca Chenault takes, uh, then you can call me by the full last name or, uh, or, or, you know, first name, middle name, like any parent who's scolding their child. I feel like that's always the move. There you go. Um, and is there anything else that people can claim we got wrong? I don't know. I feel like the Panthers is one that really chafed my ass. <laughs> like that was one. I don't think we were that far off. And, you know, I think this is one where you could talk about with our, our upcoming last few segments, but um, the Panthers is one that I was really backing them and they were so close. They still put up 30 fantasy or 30 real life points and had a good day fantasy wise for our boy, Robbie Anderson, who Pete, I would like to dub big play Bob Anderson. I feel like I just like that nickname a lot. Do you agree? How about splash play Bob? Splash play. Oh, so we just fully make him our mascot. Exactly. I mean, I didn't, you, you did a tweet today, right? About how he kind of embodies what, our uh, social media manager did. Yeah. I think Trey, our social media manager has <laughs> got his, his finger to the streets is actually his ear and his finger, both of the streets. Yeah. The ultimate, I prefer him in best ball play splash play, Bob today getting loose. Uh, and that was also kind of a big question of, you know, between Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson, I still think they could kind of alternate big games that it might be a little inconsistent between them, but man, it's a nice reminder that Robbie Anderson is incredibly fast with the ball in his hands and can get behind basically any defense. And he's been playing for the Jets for years and still somehow made that work and, and nobody thought to sign him besides the Panthers. So I'm still curious to see the Panthers more. I think too the, the Raiders approach, very slow team, very plotting team. I think maybe not their ideal spot and you know maybe a few more weeks of that offense. I'm not fully giving up on, on Teddy and the boys, but we'll talk about it in a sec. And uh, here's a segment that we wanted to get to here. We're just going, we got so many segments. If you We're like the Michael Scott paper company. When you think you got us pinned down, we got another segment coming through. But here's one tying into my life that we're going to call stat shaming. Uh, did these plays get unsustainable numbers or do we consider them beautiful at a healthy weight of targets? Uh, <laughs> you had too much fun writing that. I, I look, 
Pete, you and I, Pete and I were having some text back and forth where we're still, you know, figuring out the vibe for everything. No, I'm no, no. To... Hang on. Say, say the official thing. We're in beta mode. Oh, yeah, that's true. We are in beta mode. We're we're v point uh, oh five of <laughs> of the Splash Play podcast, but getting stronger by the week. And uh, you know, we were vibing back and forth, and I, you know, stat shaming. I was having fun with it. I feel like I was encouraged by our creative process. And here's one. I think maybe we could stat shame uh, Matt Ryan. We could we could match shame as well. Four hundred fifty yards passing. Oh boy, I actually hate that. Now that I said that out loud, <laughs> that I said that. I hope our producer bleeps that out. <laughs> Trey is going to be so pissed. He's not going to clip that one. <laughs> Matt Ryan, 450 yards passing on 37 out of 54 attempts. And here's the thing that jumped out to me that was actually insane. He had three receivers who each got 12 targets, a uh, nine for 114 yards for Russell Gage, nine for 157 for Julio Jones, and nine for 130 and two touchdowns for Calvin Worthy, a lot of which did come uh, when the game was a bit out of hand. But Pete, is this sustainable? I mean, Matt Ryan did it over and over again he was the quarterback who somehow made up for the fact that he never runs with just throwing at an ungodly rate and the completion rates there Seattle's defense not anything anybody was terrified of unless you were still in uh, 2014 I guess maybe that might be a time but Matt Ryan I think I'm very bullish on and I'll just keep playing him because that's really a lot of passing and a lot of accurate passing to anybody who's on the field does this? I was just going right now to check to see if Darren Rovell had tweeted out this stat line because this is the kind of like weird coincidental numerology stuff that is just catnip for Rovell. You know, he'll be like, oh, you know, the Denver Nuggets just scored their 5,280th point on the 52nd day of the year. And don't forget, they live a mile above sea level. 5,280 feet. (laughs) Thank you, Darren. So yes, how all of these wide receivers had nine catches. Didn't they all have the same amount of targets too? They were all 12. Yeah. Yeah, So, uh, you know, the, the law of threes here and, um, you know, I think we all expected Julio and Ridley to have uh, great seasons, great years. I think it was kind of up for debate. Was it going to be Hayden Hurst or Russell Gage who really kind of emerged there as the third spot? I think similar to the Samuel Robbie Anderson alternating Russell Gage and Hayden Hurst will probably ping pong back and forth, but man, it's a reminder that the the Falcons when they're at home in that dome, uh, Matt Ryan can put up some gaudy, numerologically friendly numbers. <laughs> you know, I, I very much agree there. And I think that if they're playing teams, they were going to put up points, which I would think a lot should based upon what we know of that Atlanta defense, which is another team that really has not gotten better in any appreciable way. Um, they're going to have to score quite a bit to just stay in these games. And that does mean there's going to be opportunity. I will say though, the one thing which we could have lumped into one of the other categories that indicated incorrectness, Hayden Hurst, uh, despite his flowing locks, despite uh, his pedigree, despite being a Bama boy, of course, SEC football always where you get the best players from. Uh, boy, he was not involved. I, him getting lapped by Russell Gage in terms of, of the opportunity in that offense really threw me for a loop. Yeah, that was um, – that was sorry. I just got a little distracted because there's breaking news that uh, Blake Jarwin might be out for the season with a torn ACL. Oh, Jesus. All right, well, Blake Jarwin not looking great in the, the showdown lineups, which were – Feeding me quite a bit of, of Blake Jarmon when I was crunching it, but that's, you know, hey, thanks, Fantasy Cruncher. For if you ever want to know how callous Spags is, I just dropped this injury on him, and the first thing he thinks about are his little precious showdown lineups. Does he care about Blake Jarwin? No, just how are my lineups doing? Did he 4X before he hurt himself? It was No, it was about a 3.8X. Ah, oh, that's not enough. That's not, not enough to qualify. I'm a real size queen about my values. That's just... Just one of those things I do. Uh, here's another guy who deserves perhaps to be stat shamed a bit more. Uh, Quintez Cephas, a guy who uh, got some quality reviews. I'll give the full shout actually to CBS Sports because they were the only site that I saw when doing a quick little news search for anybody who even mentioned Quintez Cephas as being somebody who might benefit from Kenny Galladay's injury. Of course, Kenny Galladay was doubtful, ended up not playing, which not a great sign for him. We talked about him last game as being one of those guys who's always banged up and, and plays. Uh, he didn't play here against Chicago, but, but Quintez Cephas did, and he got 10 targets for three catches and 43 yards. And uh, quite frankly, Quintez Cephas, I think those catches are gaudy for you. I think they're a little too big. I think they're too much for you. I think you need to hit the catch gym and get down to shape here. I'm stat shaming Quintez Cephas. He's not one of my guys. But Pete, maybe you disagree here. Maybe you're a Cephas file. No, I, uh, I am not a, a Cephas head. I don't stand the Cephas. He, I do not tell him to go off King. I think uh, this is one of those stat lines that, you know, we're both 
uh, fans of the air yards, uh, the air yard by low model by Josh Hermsmeyer. And he normally has one or two guys each season who continue to get volume, but not convert them And his kind of thing of how he handles this is he ends up redacting them within the model, just being like, yes, they're technically in here, but I cannot condone you playing them. This stat line from Quintus Cephas is this is a quintessential you're about to get redacted stat line. So he's on watch and uh, he's going to be having a strike through through his name here if he doesn't uh, start converting on these targets. Would you say would you say it's a quintessential one or a quintez essential one? Yeah, it's it's quintez essential. That uh, Trey is please bleep that out, too. Uh, Trey is going to have to work so hard on this podcast. I hate it. On a Sunday night at that, it's one of the worst things you can do for him. All right, Pete, I'm going to try something on the fly here because I wanted to do like a little audio thing and I was going to download it in advance, but I could tell you I didn't do it. But let's see if this works out the way that I'm hoping. Um, If if it gets a YouTube ad, then we're fucked. His family dead. I want his house burnt to the ground. I want to go to the middle of the night. I want to piss on his ass. Okay, so that's... (laughs) That's a clip from the Untouchables, Robert De Niro here in 1987. I don't think it worked quite as well as I would have liked, but the important thing is we try here on the splash. Play. It's beta mode, Pete. What are we even? Tra- what are we even paying Trey for if you can't get that to play? <laughs> well, Trey just yeah, Trey just sits around here. He's good for the morale. That's the important thing that matters. But uh, we're talking about our plays here who were dead to us until next week, and I think I, the one for me that rings the most true is going to be the Carolina Panthers. I have big hopes for them. Joe Brady being the offensive coordinator. Uh, Matt Rule also as the coach of Baylor, a very fantasy-friendly offense or whatever the equivalency is for college football. I don't play college football fantasy. It'll, as far as I know, it might not exist. I think it might be an imaginary thing, a construct that some people out there do. But I think for football and the NFL, I would say that Matt Rule and Joe Brady, I would expect to have better results than today. Uh, Teddy was out there. I want to see how many deep throws he had. But when he did throw it deep, it was working out well. The the Robbie Anderson, of course, the splash play Bob type play that he had that you can find on our Twitter at splash play Bob or splash play pod, not splash play Bob. <laughs> but he should change his handle that um, I think gave me some hope here. These guys can do more than they did today against maybe teams that don't quite run out the clock as much. So that to me, uh, they're dead to me until next week. Pete, where are you at the Panthers? Who have, We were both in on you had the money line on them. So where are you with the Panthers? Yeah, they, uh, you know, DJ Moore uh, burned me. I had him in in multiple lineups. I thought he was one of the better kind of tournament plays just because we know he has that upside. Uh, he was affordable and wasn't catching a lot of ownership. Uh, but I missed because of all, every, basically every other wide receiver in that range, Thielen, Ridley, and uh, Adams all just popped off. So uh, I whiffed on that. And DJ Moore is definitely dead to me uh, until he's sub 5% owned next week and I play him again. Yeah, I agree. Same thing for me with with Teddy. I, I have him in our sheet as Teddy KG Bridgewater, which is like a, a rounders reference for anybody. I don't know why exactly, but he can splash the the pot whenever he wants. I guess would be the, give DJ the targets. <laughs> I will take the. Tar- I'm not, I wasn't ready for a Russian accent. <laughs> See, the thing is, is I can say the lines from the movie. It's like, pay some man his money. <laughs> but like, if I go outside of that, that like, if I try to make it football, it's tough. It's just like, DJ didn't get open. So I didn't <laughs> throw him the ball. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that was, I think it's something we could work on here. Maybe we'll have a segment where we workshop our various impressions. <laughs> Flash play Bob do very well. See, now this is getting <laughs> You're going so to bad. Borat very fast. My wife loves Splash Play Podcast. Yeah, I got I to watch Rounders again. I need an excuse to do uh, <laughs> Another one I feel like for me will also be, and I, hopefully for Pete too, uh, a team that is dead to me this week but will not be dead to me in the future. Philip Rivers, T.Y. Hilton. Philip Rivers threw that ball a lot. I actually don't have his numbers right in front of me. I'll pull them up in a second. But um, really was slinging the ball around. Looked, I, I think, not great, but competent enough where he's going to have some days where Fantasy-wise, I think he has some value. And maybe the Jaguars, a little bit of, uh, to quote Bill Simmons, nobody believed in them, including Las Vegas, including their own coach, including their own GM. And that, you know, that gives you a bit of a, a hope, perhaps, an underdog nature that that carried that Jacksonville defense. That's what I'm going to go to. But Rivers threw it 46 times. That bodes better than not. Um, so that, to me, is one team. And did you have any read here on the Colts and what they did in a shocking, I think, a very surprising seven-point loss to the Jags? Yeah, I don't know. I think Philip Rivers seemed to have eyes for Paris Campbell. I think that's going to be an issue for Hilton if he really prefers him um, with a little bit more speed underneath. I think Hilton probably has lost a step from his his earlier career days. And then also, uh, 
you know, they did lose Marlon Mack, it sounds like, for the season, which is awful. Um, but Naheem Hines looked really good. Mm-hmm. And one interesting subplot is was Austin Eckler, you know, his catching production. I, I think most people agree Austin Eckler is a really good running back, but his receiving uh, gaudy numbers were more tied to Phillip Rivers, it would appear so, than just his natural pass catching talent. Because now we see Phillip Rivers gone to Rod Taylor through one pass to Eckler. And then on the flip side, Naheem Hines is getting used in all facets of the game. Looks like he's going to be one of Philip Rivers' favorite targets. So this is going to be interesting, like you said, to see how this unfolds with who Rivers prefers in this offense. Yeah, the statuesque, uh, not in the the bombshell Instagram model type of way, but the guys who actually resemble statues at quarterback do tend to check down a bit more to running backs. And it does seem like Tyrod's mobility, uh, Tyrod ran six times. Maybe those six runs that he would have had would have been checked down to a running back. Um, and that's where Phillip Rivers is going to op- offer some opportunity with a uh, Marlon Mack, who is also hurt. Uh, so break out the Madden ambulance uh, and and have it have it run over some player. One of the bizarre. I mean, it's been in a couple of our graphics on on social media, but uh, why did they do that for Madden? Pete, where it's like the ambulance comes in and just runs over players and with no reason. There's no rhyme or reason to it at all. Uh, my thought is that the developers were like, oh, this would be a good idea, but then they didn't want to, they're like, oh, this will take too long to figure out like the exact pixel coordinations to, or coordinates to make sure the ambulance isn't <laughs> running over someone. So they're like, just screw it. It can just go in the middle of the screen. They'll get the gist of it. We got to get it out. I think that's probably the way it goes. And that's how we're feeling about this podcast. Let's burn through this last one. Michael Thomas, uh, he's dead to me until next week. I think I, I wouldn't trust the small sample size. I get it. The, the five targets here, we talked about it earlier. Very disappointing. But you got to expect the guy's got to come back in other weeks. And, you know, for week one, you're establishing your game tape for the rest of the season. I think that's certainly a, a reason why the Saints didn't need Michael Thomas as much in that game. You know, they were pretty comfortably ahead for most of it, even though the Bucks made their run. So I'm not worried about Michael Thomas. I, he's he's dead to me, but he's still like a spirit, an apparition, a Slimer, if you will, from Ghostbusters who pops in. I'm ready to get back on the train with Slimer Michael Thomas. Pete, how are you with Michael Thomas? Is he dead to you or, or forever, or will he be back for you? No, yeah, Michael Thomas is absolutely six feet under dead to me until next Sunday night when they're at home versus the Packers, and I realize that I can play both Devontae Adams and Michael Thomas in a lineup together, at which point he will be very undead to me. Yeah, Michael Thomas, I wouldn't worry about it. It sucks. Sucks if you played him in week one. Sucks if you invested big on him in your uh, in your salary cap leagues or in DFS, but, but that's life for you. And, of course, we got to do our, our standard here ride-or-die plays and update you guys on the week so far. Of course, the Cowboys-Rams game still going on, so that one has not uh, been adjusted by the bookmaker, Trey. Of course, our intern does a little bit of everything, and it's, it's certainly not me or Pete doing any work. Uh, we are just glamorous hosts here who show up Go on camera, look beautiful, and give content. But uh, but here's one uh, one update here on the records. Uh, Pete, do you have you you haven't seen the records, have you? I have not. I've been demanding you release the long form ride or die <laughs> records. Uh, you have refused not to, partly because you're probably going to try to give me an L for the Lavisca, and I will take you to court if that's not listed as a W in the record. So here's why I'm not giving you a, a W for oh, Lavisca. <laughs> so. Because there's a couple of fringe plays here where we just picked a guy and they didn't do a ton. Here's what I think we need to change about the ride or die picks, especially from some of the feedback I heard. I think we need to go a little more basic. Like we need to go a little more pumpkin latte. We need to make it very simple for the general, not the general populace, not in a disparaging way, but just to establish like, hey, Josh Jacobs is the best play in the Panthers game. Like that's something we should have done instead of me being like, oh, Teddy Bridgewater's great or let's take the money line. Like we should be like, hey, take the guy who's actually good. We shouldn't assume assume a level of sharpness would be my takeaway point being uh here's the things that pete got right pete got mitchell trubisky right i gave pete stefan diggs even though you know one could say maybe you shouldn't have but i didn't i get to get did not I think give, it's a conflict of interest of you judging these we need a third party arbiter well no trey and i talked about it you see we have uh, we I have trey, trey here for a reason hey trey <laughs> trey Trey, I I hired Trey, and that's the issue that Pete and I have. We're we're butting heads, so it's a, it's in beta mode. That's what matters. Um, so we both got under forty five point five on Packers Vikings. That was a bad pick. Uh, the Panthers money line, you were incorrect. Uh, Lavisca Chenault did not four x value. The Ravens uh, did get minus seven, so that's another victory for you. Terry McLaurin, not a top 10 wide receiver. Uh, Eagles defense looking a little better. Calvin Ridley, I gave you 2x Julio Jones, even though, did he really 2x Julio Jones, Pete? You tell me. 
you know, uh, I'm not going to get into this right he now. Got two, he got two X touchdowns, but but Julio yeah. also got zero touchdowns. And as we know, two X, zero, zero. Yeah, I, what I'm mad is like I backed myself into the corner with the four X because I could have said three X and you wouldn't have batted an eye. You'd have just been like, okay, and then I would have won. Yeah, that's that's I why I'm saying we need to X. we need to like <laughs> we need to go sky high here rather than <laughs> as granular as we did. Uh, Pete also went with Cam Newton. That's a win for Pete. Joe Burrow, I said, was not a win. I think I think that we would agree there. Not a great day by Joe Burrow. He rushed in for a touchdown. Yeah, but that's not enough. You can't just say, oh, he ran, he ran. Well, whoa, whoa, he ran for a touchdown. Big deal. So is he wow. Bo Jackson? No. <laughs> Chris won't take the L. <laughs> no, I'm going to take the L in a moment. I, I promise you that. Uh, Ronald Jones, uh, he has to be a zero. He didn't do enough. He's He doesn't count. Christian Kirk, that was that was a big fat that was a big fat L. That was a that was a stat shame quality L. On my end, I would say Allen Robinson. I took a zero on that. He did not. Even though Mitchell uh, got there, Mitchell Trubisky got there. Allen Robinson did not. The over thirty nine point five for Jets Bills. That was a win. So those are ones that we can easily. There's no debate there. Uh, Packers Vikings. I also got wrong. Teddy Bridgewater. I'm, I'm taking him as a victory because we gave Stefan Diggs as a victory, and I thought Bridgewater was pretty good. Like he's okay. Yeah, this this process needs to be streamlined. <laughs> There's too much room for Spags to just tilt this in his favor. This is, uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to talk. Uh, if anyone on the show has a law degree. Um, you know, there's a few things that we'd like you to do help make sure people aren't talking about their best ball teams. Uh, and also make sure that Spags is ruling over this ride or die contest fairly. And make sure Chumley gives us a cut of the millionaire maker because that just that just seems fair. He took our intellectual property for his his millionaire winning lineup there. Um, other ones I got wrong. Odell Beckham was terrible, but though he did he did adjust in the Monte Carlo Sims in a way that wasn't great. So I, I feel like you know that might be more of a Monte Carlo loss, but I'll take the loss on that. Eagles minus five point five. Eagles the worst bet of the week in every possible way. So I think I'm not alone in that. Yeah, uh, the Eagles were. Man, once they said that their offensive line was decimated, it, as someone who played Boston Scott in basically every DFS lineup, I uh, I learned my lesson that I should probably pay attention to what's going on with the offensive line as well. Yeah, when you're, all of your offensive linemen are, are gone or out for week one, it's not a great sign, and that came through for the Eagles as they lost to the, as the announcers will tell you, uh, that's the one fact they knew about the Washington football team, the footies, as it were. And uh, they were very much like, oh, yeah, the, the defensive line for Washington, very improved. So watch out. And then, yeah, they came through. Hayden Hurst did not come through. He was not a top five tight end. So that's an L for me. Miami did not. Actually, did Miami not cover? I think they didn't, right? Uh, uh, hang on. Let me look this up. That's a good question because that was one way where they nope, did not. They did not cover. Yeah, 10 points. It was a 6.5 point spread. So, yeah, it's another loss for me. Tyrod is a top five quarterback. He and Teddy Bridgewater uh, did not come through for me. It's almost like you shouldn't bank on backup quarterbacks who never started for many years. But uh, maybe we'll learn that for week two. Victories I did get. Godwin did 2x Mike Evans receiving yards. And Mike Evans played. So that's that's one that I, it's a rousing victory for me. And, of course, Raheem Mostert in the call of the week in our our Roman sponsored hour. <laughs> uh, if you want to keep a turgid call, uh, go with Raheem Mostert, your millionaire maker running back. Uh, that was a one that honestly, I feel like that should count as like five. But anyway, the record for the week, Pete goes five and seven. I go four and eight. And of course the Cowboys Rams game up in the air. Oh. So, so you're up. You're fine. Okay. Yeah. No, no, we're fine. We don't need an independent <laughs> arbitrator. I think I'm, uh, I'm cool with this. Yeah. My bad. I, uh, I didn't realize what had happened yet. Yeah, this is a great contest. I think it's working out well and it's not about being above 500. It's about beating spags and I'm doing that. No, I think that's, that's fair. And I think too, we're going to get better with the picks that we make. And, uh, and speaking of, let me duplicate the sheet. Let's do our ride or die picks. Of course, this is our staple. This is the one that you can really set your watch to, uh, is going to be our ride or die picks despite the slow start. I promise, uh, we're going to be, we're going to get to 500 starting, uh, today. And we have two games, of course, for Monday night that we can talk about. And Thursday, we will talk about that one as well, I guess. And we don't need to do a ride or die pick for Thursday. I'm not ready for Thursday. But for Monday, we'll we'll do our picks. Pittsburgh at the Giants. Pittsburgh getting 25.3 implied points. The Giants getting 19.8. So, Pete, if you had to pick one prop bet over under, any sort of bet, really, or fantasy play from this game, who would it be between Pittsburgh and the Giants? All right. I want want to make a prediction about Benny Snell, but I need to make it, like, realistic. So what would you – 
how many carries do you think Benny Snell, the presumptive backup running back to James Conner, how many carries, or let's just say touches, how many touches do you think the, the betting markets would have him projected to get? Seven and a half. Seven and a half. Okay. I will take, I will take the over on that. I will say Benny Snell has 10 touches or more in this game. Is that a fair enough? Yeah. My flag? I, I'll, I'll take that. I think that's, I think you're mo- you're you're moving the goalposts, but in an interesting way that I'll allow. So I'll I'll accept it. Um, I'll My make a- thing is I'm trying to find like a concrete number, so there's no ambiguity, you know, with whether uh, I'm right or wrong. So ten or more touches for Benny Snell, and I win. My my thesis is that everyone wants James Conner to be the bell cow back here, and I think uh, Benny Snell is going to be a very big part of this backfield. Um, I'll go the other way. I think James Conner is part of the winning lineup for the two-game tournament that will be on DraftKings tomorrow. It's not, uh, I guess there will be showdowns as well, but it is a two-gamer. And I think James Conner makes it in there. I like his price point, 6,400 on DraftKings. Um, I think he will be a part of that winning lineup. So look, we can go We can go at loggerheads here, though. I feel like, again, you gave a very specific number for LaVisca Chenault. It was just the wrong number, I think, getting no, the right no, number. Uh, it, was, it was up to interpretation. It was <laughs> Don't worry about it. Uh, the other game, of course, is going to be uh, the Tennessee Titans and the Denver Broncos. Titans getting 22 implied points. Denver getting 19 implied points. Denver, about as banged up as you can get. Not looking the best for them. Losing Von Miller for the year. Also going to soften that defense up in a way that's probably not going to be good for them going against Derrick Henry. But any pick here, any pick or bet uh, fantasy-wise or sports betting-wise, Pete, for this game, who do you have? Yeah, I mean, I think on the other show I talked about how A.J. Brown was uh, one of my guys. So I'll, I'll try to get more creative and I'll stay on theme for Monday Night Football and thinking that the perceived uh, second running back on the depth chart is actually the more valuable running back from a fantasy perspective. So I will say Philip Lindsay outscores Melvin Gordon uh, DK points in this game. Philip Lindsay, a popular play around these parts. And I would say that um, for me, I will, I'll, I don't know if this is a fair one, but I'll say Derrick Henry has more fantasy points than Ryan Tannehill. Is that a good one? Is that, is that okay? Mm, that's pretty weak. <laughs> no, but also the James Conner one is pretty weak too on a two game slate. The bell cow running back makes it into the best lineup. I mean, this is, we need, we need Saquon Barkley and Derrick Henry and Benny Snell. Okay. Benny All Snell's right. going to have 10 touches. That's All so right. many okay. I'll allow that one, but you do have to get spicier than outscores uh, Ryan Tannehill. All right. Uh, let me look at this a little clo- more closely. Um, you know what? I'll take the over in the game then. You know, I'll, I'll go completely off the board. It's only a 41 point over, uh, over under rather. So I'll take the over in, uh, in this game. All right. I'll allow that. That, um, you know, it's a real line that Vegas sets. So <laughs> you can't really cheat your way onto either side of that. You cannot you cannot forex debate that I suppose, but that's it for Splash Play this week, guys. Make sure to subscribe if you're watching on YouTube or or listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you're hearing this, however you found this. Make sure you subscribe and of course follow at Splash Play Pod. You can find some of the clips from the show if you couldn't watch the whole thing, and of course a little bit of tweeting and such from us. And we'll get um, it won't just be Trey's tweets always. It'll be a mix of everything at some point. We'll get there. We'll we'll make it better for you. But follow at Splash Play Pod and uh, Pete. Anything you want to say here before we call it quits on our our sunday night show oh yeah maybe trey will uh give me the login credentials and i can start pushing some of my narratives you know on the camp not these just trey and spags you know concocted stuff about how lavisca chanel didn't 4x uh, the data's right there. It's a data-focused podcast. We appreciate you riding us, right, riding us. We are riding, riding us, or riding with us during beta mode. I think whatever you want to do to get on the caravan of splash play, we appreciate. Mags apparently you. has a different relationship with our listeners so far compared to me. I don't know who's riding you, but yeah, you should definitely thank them for that. Oh, we have so many, you know, like Instagram thought types who follow for fantasy football advice and betting advice. So like that's that's clearly an audience that's been fertile. Um, <laughs> figure it <laughs> let's call it quits right now guys we appreciate all of you thank you for watching or listening and uh, we'll see you guys again thursday night uh after the game the podcast will be up slash the youtube show will be up so subscribe at that notification bell and we'll be back with you guys again soon so enjoy your football and and uh don't pick lavisca chanel bye <laughs>